We honor you this morning, Lord. And God, we prepare our hearts for what you have to say to us this morning, God. And I just pray as Pastor gives us the words that you have breathed life into him, Father, that they would breathe life into us this morning. May we receive it, God. May we apply it. God, may you do things through us that we wouldn't even think about, God, but that you would just help us to apply them as we receive this word, God. May it not just stay with us today or tomorrow, but God, it would just move through us and continually move through us to help us to burn more for you, God, as we desire more of your presence, God. And so I just thank you for the words that you're going to speak to us, Lord. Let us receive them wholeheartedly, God. And we just thank you for what you're doing in our lives and what you've continue to do and what you're going to do. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Ariana. Thank you. <laughs> and thank you guys for entering into worship. I'd like to release a warrior youth at this time. You guys are welcome to go back. And I want to uh, welcome all, all of you and thank you for joining us this morning. We're continuing in the series of gifts from the Holy Spirit. So I encourage you, if you've missed some of these, to go back online and, and listen to these. This morning's topic is probably... The most important to the Lord of anything that I could speak on. And it's, this morning's topic is, love is the best gift. And we've been teaching and we've been learning and we've been going through scriptures in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 primarily today. Uh, through this series where Paul is teaching the early church. You know, the, the church is, our, is about 55 or 60 years old at this point in time. Jesus says, come and been crucified and resurrected and, and ascended into heaven. And so Paul is helping the early church. There are a lot of challenges. There's a lot of mindset shifts and there's a lot of paradigm shifts where they're, they're coming to this understanding of who Christ is. And uh, so Paul is giving instruction to the early church. We're going to be going to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and we're going to get through that whole chapter, hopefully, and then we'll be going to Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 to summarize or, or sum it all up. But we've been covering these gifts from the Holy Spirit, and, and I began this series talking about the fruit of the Spirit, which is really our character. As God begins to work in our life, He does something in our character. And uh, we talked about that, and in, in, uh, that's found in Galatians 5, 16 through 26. And, and really what that does is, it draws a parallel or a contrast between the fruit from our fleshly sinful nature versus and contrast it with the fruit of the Spirit. And so I spent some time talking about that already during this series. But it's important that we understand that the gifts from God, when He dispenses those to us, it's important that we have the character to, to shore those up. Um, and again, I've, I've already touched on this, but... But we want to make sure that we're walking in the fullness of what God has called us to. And again, I'm not talking about performing. I'm not talking about jumping through hoops. I'm simply talking about allowing God greater access into our life to transform our lives so that we can walk in the fullness of life that Christ came to die for and that, that God desires that we walk in. So let's go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to back up a little bit, kind of where I ended last week. Because if you, re if you remember, these letters or these books in the Bible were actually letters written to the early church. So they didn't have chapter 12, chapter 11, verse 1. It was a continuous flow. And so when you think about it, Paul is writing and, and he's writing uh, to the early church and he's talking about the gifts 
And then it's like suddenly he stops and shifts, shifts gears. So let's go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28. Here are some of the parts God has appointed for the church. And, and what we find is when we read about the gifts that God gives to the church, there's a consistency there. It's not just found in one place, but it's scattered throughout. And we can see through history and we can see uh, how God worked through men and people to distribute these gifts and, and use these gifts. So 1 Corinthians 12, 28 says, Here are some of the parts God has appointed to the church. First are apostles, second are prophets, third are teachers, then those who do miracles. It goes on to say, those who have the gift of healing, those who can help others, those who have the gift of leadership, those who speak in unknown languages. Verse 29, are we all apostles? Are we all prophets? Are we all teachers? Do we all have the power to do miracles? Verse 30, do we all have the gift of healing? Do we all have the ability to speak in unknown languages? Do we all have the ability to interpret unknown languages? Of course not. And this is not a, a, all of the gifts, but God gives many gifts. But the point he's trying to make is that, uh, and we talked about this last week, that we are the body of Christ. And so we need one another. I need my index finger. I need my big toe. I need my knee to, to work. You know, and so when we look at ourselves as the body of Christ, we need one another. And so we talked about that last week. But I just wanted to reiterate that again. And then he goes on to say in verse 31, he says, So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. We want to take the gifts that God gives us and use to build the kingdom of God, to be encouraged, to be built up, and to build one another up. So we should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. But now let me show you a way of life that is best of all. And this is where we stopped last week. And Paul is pausing now to teach on the greatest gift, which is love. And he, it's very clear. Well, let me say this. In chapter 14, he continues on with teaching on uh, primarily on prophecy. He'll be teaching on speaking in tongues and praying in tongues. And, and I think when we get there, I think you will have a greater understanding. If you don't really understand what those things look like and how they should be used in the church, I think you'll receive a greater understanding and, and receive greater clarity of these gifts that have caused such division and dissension in the church and in the body of Christ. The gifts from God were never given to cause problems. They were given to be a blessing to us. But yet, you look at some of the gifts and, and there's, there's confusion and there's division in the church. And so when we get to, especially when we get to chapter 14, I think you're going to find that you, you will receive some greater clarity and understanding about those gifts. Those gifts are wonderful. And there are churches that say, well, I've seen abuses of this gift and that, that gift, so therefore we're just going to eliminate them. Man, that's the wrong approach. The right approach is that we understand the giftings of God and that we move according to God's plan and His Word in using the gifts. They're wonderful. So let's not uh, disregard those or, or say we don't want those because we've seen abuses. You know, I use this example. I think it's great. I've had a bad steak before, but I'm not going to quit eating steak. So as we, as we receive the gifts of God and appropriate, the, appropriate those uh, uh, properly, then we benefit from those things. So let's not let one bad apple ruin the whole batch, all right? And so we'll, we'll get more into that in a few weeks here in, in chapter 14. But in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, Paul has been teaching about these gifts, and suddenly he stops. 
It's like he stops and goes a, di a different direction. Let me read uh, 12.31 again. So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. He's saying, okay, desire the gifts. They're good. But let me show you a way that's best of all. And, so he, and then he moves into chapter 13. And he says, if I could speak all the languages of the earth and of angels, but did not love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And I was going to bring my china symbol up here today. I've done that before and, and beat on that. That thing is like a trash can lid. It's, it's a, it, it can be really annoying. I mean, it, it's an accent symbol that played at the right place. It, it adds some texture and, and, uh, and feel. But if you just beat on that thing all the time, man, you'd be going crazy because literally it sounds like a trash can lid. And so if I could speak all the languages of earth and angels but did not love others, I would only be a gong or a clanging symbol. I would be annoying. And uh, so we, we see that uh, speaking in tongues and the interpretation of tongues or unknown, un, unknown languages are an important gift. Let's read on in verse 2. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans, and we've been talking about some of these things, that, these gifts that God gives, the gift of prophecy is important to encourage one another. That's, that's a powerful gift. And, if, and we talked about God giving us supernatural wisdom or understanding or knowledge those things are important so he says if i had to get the prophecy and if i understood all of god's secret plans and possessed all knowledge if i had great wisdom the wisdom of solomon and if i had such faith that i could move mountains <clears throat> i think it was six weeks ago i talked about faith and how important faith is you know the word of god says it's impossible it's impossible to please god without faith and so we're walking in faith. And so all of those things are important. But if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but did not love others, I would be nothing. Do you understand that the gift, the giftings of God are important and that we walk in the fullness of life? But what is supreme, what reigns over that is love. Love is the greatest gift. Love is the greatest thing given to us. Love is the greatest thing that we can share with others. Paul is very clear. Love trumps all the gifts. Let's look at verse 3. If I gave everything to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. Have you ever done that? Have you ever done something and uh, it's like, look at me, look at me. I gave all this money or I did this and I gave a million dollars. Well, I haven't given a million dollars. I don't have a million dollars. But if I did, I could boast or I could say, listen, I've given my life. I've sacrificed. But he's saying... If I gave everything to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Gosh, you know, again, we need to really understand that love is the critical thing here. That, that, that it's all about love. The Bible says that God is love. And we see his demonstration of love to us through life and, and through the many blessings that we have. I think everybody here has a home and has food to eat and clothes to wear. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> we have clothes and we have provision. But we have everything that we need. And God's greatest gift to us is his love. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. So my first point this morning is love is supreme. My second point is love should be our motivation. Here's a heart check. When you give to others or when you give sacrificially, do you need to let everyone know about it? What's the motive? 
Is it, look at me, look at me, look what I've done. Or is it with the right heart of saying, God, I want to honor you and I want to give to reflect your heart? Do we really have that heart? And, and I've shared with you, uh, when I worked in, in research and development at the chemical company, I would challenge, I had a Bible study, and you know, this should encourage you. Listen, if you don't have a Bible study at work, maybe you should do that. Get together with some of the people that you have lunch with, and instead of talking about other stuff, you know, just start a little Bible study and begin to read through, just take a book of the Bible. I think during our Bible study, we read through the entire New Testament. And we would just sit and talk, and sometimes we wouldn't even read through much scripture, but we'd just take a book of the Bible, and we'd begin to read through it, and maybe stop and discuss it, kind of like we do a Bible study on Wednesdays. And so there was this group of about, you know, probably on the distribution list, there was probably about 30 people, and we'd have maybe anywhere from 5 to 25 people show up for, for lunch and, and to have Bible study with. And so I would send out an email on occasion, and... Uh, and I didn't abuse email, okay? I was at work, and I had permission from HR to do this. So uh, it wasn't that I was doing something inappropriate. But every once in a while, I'd just send, send out an encouraging email and say, let's do a random act of kindness this week. And as you go to the warehouse, you pick up an item for yourself. Maybe pick up some, something for your coworker and just take it and put it at their desk so they don't have to go out to the warehouse. And the criteria was that we would do that. We would do these random acts of kindness but if we got caught, it didn't count. If anybody saw us, it didn't count. Or if we told somebody, it didn't count. So it was really just a check of our heart to serve one another and do something nice for someone without getting any accolades. And so we would do that from time to time. And I, I want to challenge you to do at least one random act of, act of kindness this week. Can you do that? I know you can. So, and then, then the other thing I want to ask you to do, not only do a random act of kindness, but monitor your heart and, and see how that makes you feel. I mean, even just taking a, a box from the warehouse, I'd get so excited, you know, I'd be looking around, I'd go and slip in there and put it on their desk, and it was kind of a sneaky feeling, but it was a good sneaky feeling, you know what I'm saying? But I would feel good about it, and it would, it would inspire me to do more and so sometimes I would come into my office and there there's a, a package on my desk and I'm like ah somebody's trying to bless me with a random act of kindness but even little things like that and those are just minor things but there are so many things that we can do to share our love and show the love of Christ especially with those that aren't expecting it that are looking out only for number one and to see somebody reach into their life and do something selflessly, something out of love, to, to just bless them, you'd be surprised probably at the impact that, that that may make. And as we do that more, it inspires us. And I know that many of you come on Sunday morning early to serve. And uh, I, I so appreciate that. And I know that that's encouraging you. It, it encourages the body of Christ to, to see people serving and, and giving and, and loving on one another. So love should be our motivation. And I, I, could, I could believe that every person here struggles to, to some degree with insecurity or needing to be acknowledged. Listen, we all need to be acknowledged. How does it feel when somebody encourages us? And there's nothing wrong with that. With being encouraged and, uh, and, and being acknowledged and affirmed, we need to do that. But it's when we become driven by fear or insecurities 
that we have to have that, that that's our whole purpose for doing things is that we get affirmed and that people recognize us. When, when we begin to, to thrive on that and that becomes our motivation and we get twisted off, that's where we can get into problems. We should be serving others out of love, not for what we can get or how we can benefit. Now, we do benefit because when we give, if nothing else, we have the joy of knowing that we've given and, and we've helped somebody out. And, and uh, I look across this room and I see so many people that are so gracious in giving. You know, and, and many of you, you never want anyone to know. You're like, hey, I want, I want to uh, sponsor someone for the women's conference or whatever that may look like, or I want to give a special gift to, to go to this or that. And, you know, that's encouraging to me. But I know that those people have a clear understanding of what it's like to give. Because they're not giving to get. They're giving to reflect the heart of God. And because God has given them a gift of giving, and they're using that. And, you know, when they give, they give more. Because they see the blessings. Not only do they see the benefit of knowing that they've helped someone or done something that's going to potentially impact lives and marriages and, and the kingdom of God, but it's God reciprocates because that's his heart. And so we give not to get, but to reflect the heart of God. And as we do that, God says, there's somebody that's a giver. There's somebody that I can trust. And so God begins to backfill. I mean, I've seen it time and time and time again, and I know those people that give continue to give because they, they understand the principle and the concept that God has set in place. As we give, God gives back. And I'm not just talking about money. So if you think I'm only talking about money, I'm not just talking about that. I'm talking about giving of our time and our talents and, and giving of our life. As we give, God gives back. That's a, that's a principle. And so when you see people that give, usually you see them continue to grow in that because they understand and they're blessed. And as you go and do a random act of kindness, and if you're able to peek around the corner and see the, the smile on their face or see the joy that that brings them, whatever that looks like, there's a benefit for you right there, knowing that you are a part of that. So I want to encourage you this week to go out and uh, perform a random act of kindness. More importantly, I want you to pray that God will fill you with his love and that you will be a dispenser of God's love. In fact, I, I want you to, to join me in, in this. I want you to repeat, that, repeat after me. Dear God, I pray that you would fill me to overflowing with your great love. Pray it again. Dear God, I pray that you would fill me to overflowing with your great love. And as we do that, God does something in our hearts. God does something in our lives. Because I'm a living testimony that I've seen God change my heart and give me a greater love and passion for people. It's turned me into a crybaby, but it's all right. You know what? I have passion and I love people. I love that I get to do this. And there's nothing that I'm more passionate about than connecting with him and having him pour into my life and just having that communion with him. But secondarily is being able to actually feel and sense and see the love of God pouring through my life into other people's lives where 
I'm having a conversation and the presence of God is so strong and the love of God is so strong that I look across the desk or I, I look at the person and they're almost in tears because the presence of God is so strong. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about being filled, infused with the love of God so that we are changed, so that our hearts are changed, but also so that people around us are changed because they can feel that love. It's authentic. It's genuine. It's something that we were born to need. We need the love of, of God in our lives, and so many people are missing it. But God will use us to begin to, to break down those walls or shine that love light into their hearts so that they can begin to see what that looks like. Because maybe they come from such abusive backgrounds or, or gone through so many hurtful, painful things that they don't really, they have a wall of fortress built around their heart. But as God begins... to pierce through that and they begin to experience true love it can change your life it can change their heart verse 4 love is patient and kind love is a verb love is an action word love demonstrates patience <laughs> I, need, I need more love God because I'm, sometimes I'm not very patient love demonstrates patience Love examples kindness. Remember the fruit of the Spirit? Love. Love is the first fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So these are the fruit of the Spirit that are resident in our lives when as we connect to Him and we stay connected to, to the Lord. Love should be flowing out of us. It's a characteristic. It's, a, it's part of our character. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And when you look at the Lord, those are the character uh, characteristics of God that you see in Him, some of them. And He desires that we walk in those things. So love is patient. Love is kind. Verse 4 goes on to say, love is not jealous or boastful or pride. Or proud, rather. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud. Uh, uh, verse 5 goes on to say, or rude. Love does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. And it keeps no record of being wrong. Okay, so let's go through some of these. Okay, jealous. All right, now I want you to think about these things, all right, in your own life. Jealous. How are you doing with that? You know, I'd say, okay, I, I do okay with that. I'm not really jealous. You know, there's sometimes when I'm thinking, well, it would be nice to have that, but, but I think I, I'm doing okay and jealous. Not boastful. Um, well, I, I can not be boastful sometimes. You know, that's another area. All right. How are you doing in that? Uh, okay. Are you boastful sometimes? All right. Uh, what about proud? Now, that's something that comes disguised in all kinds of packages. And so if I say I'm not proud, I'm, I may be being prideful. But so we have to be careful with that one. But are we, are we proud? Are we prideful? What about rude? Okay, well, let's define rude. I, well, I don't see any exception in, in the word about driving on I-45. So I guess we need to be nice and kind <laughs> and not rude on I-45. If someone cuts us off, we need to be kind and not rude. 
Uh, okay, what about having everything my way? Well, I, you know, I don't, there are times when I, when I like to have things my way, but, but I don't, uh, you know, I think I do okay in that. How about you? How, are you willing to submit, or not really submit, but, or maybe submit your plans or say, you know, your wife wants to go see this movie and you want to go see this one, but you say, okay, well, that's all right. You know, so how are you doing in that? Uh, love is not irritable. And I'm thinking, come on, God, that's just a response to stupidity. You know, I mean, I get irritated when people are really doing stupid things. And so, okay, maybe I need some work in that. I probably do. Not to be so irritated when someone isn't as smart as what I think I am. Or they do something really stupid. Uh, and love keeps no record of being wrong. Okay, wait a minute. You know, that, that's just over the top. I, I don't think I can do that. And I think what the Lord would say, Mark, that's the idea. You can't do it without my help. Because it's only through His love and grace and forgiveness that I can really let things go and that I can really say, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to hold that against you. We learned when, we were, when I was teaching on forgiveness, and maybe I need to go back and teach on this again, but we learned that forgiveness isn't saying, oh, it's okay. Oh, it didn't hurt. Oh, it didn't matter. That's not what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is saying, I choose to never hold that against you again. And I'm turning that over to the Lord, but I'm not going to let you impact me in a negative way. Every time I see your face, I get mad. You know, listen, that's how you know if you have unforgiveness. If every time you think about them, or every time you see their car drive by, it stirs something up within you. The, the person that you least want to have real estate in your mind has real estate in your mind when you have unforgiveness. And so forgiveness is not saying it's okay or it didn't hurt. It's just saying, I choose to never hold that against you again. And then think about what Christ has done for you. Think about what that means. God is saying, I'm never holding that against you again because it's covered by the blood. You've been forgiven. And so we need to learn to be more gracious and forgiving and kind to one another. Oh man, I'm preaching to me now. Um, but we need to be more, more gracious and loving and kind and, and realize that God is gracious to us and forgiving of us. And you know what? We, we make mistakes too. There are times when, when we need some grace and forgiveness. So um, let's allow God to invade and infuse our lives so that we can walk in the fullness of life, so that we don't have these issues. Understand that we are incapable of defeating these things on our own. We can only last so long before we snap. And that's why I can't stand religion, because religion says you jump through all these hoops, you do all this stuff, you perform, you, you live in this legalistic realm, and then finally you get to some place and you say, you know what, I can't do it anymore. I can't perform anymore. And God never designed that we be trapped in religion. He only sent Jesus down to restore us into relationship. It's all about relationship. And so many people that you may run across will, under, will not understand that it's about a relationship. They understand religion. And, you know, a lot of people will repel that. They don't want anything to do with religion. And I can understand why. Because before long, you will snap. With, but with God's help or the Holy Spirit and walking in the fruit of the Spirit, we can overcome. We can overcome those things. 
and not be sucked down into the vortex. Okay, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wronged. Verse 6, it does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. And so we need to be rejoicing in the truth. We need to know what the truth is. That's why we encourage you to come on Sunday morning. Come to Bible study. So we learn the Word of God. So that we know the truth of God. And so we need to rejoice when the truth wins out. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith. It is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. And, I, you know, when I was thinking about the scripture, I was thinking about moms. They have this innate ability to love, to always be hopeful, always loving. And regardless of the, the situation or circumstance, they're always hopeful. They're always praying. A godly mom is always praying for their children. I think about my grandmother, too. What a, what a godly mom, uh, grandmother and mom she was and, and how she was always praying. And she had a huge impact in my life. She was always loving me and always praying for me and always encouraging me. And so we had that kind of impact. We had that kind of influence as we, as we pray and seek and call down heaven, call down blessings and seek the Lord on how we need to be praying for one another. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith. It's always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. So my first point this morning is love is supreme. My second point is love should be our motivation. My third point is love is the key. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 13.8. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will all will become useless, but love will last forever. Let me read that again. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. Okay, so these gifts are for us now. Love benefits us now and forever. And, and when we look at the gifts, they benefit us now. God never designed us to be caught in the, in the trappings of legalism and religion, but he's always desired to be an intimate, personal relationship with us. God created us to have a dynamic, intimate relationship with him, to have godly, healthy, vibrant, honoring relationships with one another. Okay, let's look at this verse again. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. So we won't need these gifts in heaven? Let's read on in verse 9. Now our knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. So if I have a word of prophecy for you, I may say, the Lord is, is speaking to me and telling me that God is about to open up doors for you and you're going to get a new job and you're going to get double the salary that you got at, at your current job or that you get at your current job. Okay, so that could be a word from the Lord and that could be very a very encouraging word, right? But that doesn't give the whole picture. It doesn't say that, okay, it's going to require you to stretch. It doesn't say that... Um, you know, it, it's not full and complete. It doesn't show the whole picture. It shows a partial picture. Now, our knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. And so, imagine that you're putting together a puzzle, and you have a piece here. Well, it's a piece of the puzzle, but it is not the entire picture, 
or even a section of the puzzle. You can't necessarily tell what the rest of the puzzle looks like. Verse 10, but when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless. Why? Because we will not see a partial picture, but we will see the whole picture. Verse 11, when I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. Okay, so a child does not have the capacity to understand the depth and the breadth and the width and, and the height and, and uh, the fullness of what they need to understand as an adult. In other words, a child is not going to understand some things. Um, we talked about this in men's group. Listen, you're the parent, you're the child. You say, don't do that. You don't have to explain to them because they may not be able to understand. You just say, don't, don't touch that, it's hot. Just don't touch it. Don't touch that. And then, you know, we talked about it in a men's group. You, you don't tell them 28 times. You tell them one time and teach them to learn and to obey and things like that. But uh, so if you're a man and you haven't been coming to men's group, you need to come to men's group the second Tuesday of the month. So when I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. And so the Word of God is here to inform us of God's desire that that we need to grow, and, and not only that we need to grow and mature in the Lord, but show us how to grow. And so we need to stop thinking like a, a spiritual baby. We need to grow up spiritually so that we can walk in the fullness of God. The Word of God, the Holy Spirit, the gifts from the Spirit are given to us to help us navigate through life so that we can live a solid, uh, mature Christian life that we were called to live, not only for us, but so that our families are taught, our children are taught, so that our marriage are healthy and strong, and so that our families are strong, and so that we can um, impart the truth and, and the biblical truths and principles to others so that they can understand the love of God, more importantly, so that they can have a personal, intimate relationship with Him. So this, these gifts and, and the Word of God is, is there to help us grow and mature spiritually, but also that God would work through our lives. Verse 12. Now we see things imperfectly, like, a, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete. But then I will know everything completely, just as God knows me completely. Does God know us? Yes. He knows everything about us. And so at some point in time, we will have a greater understanding Consequently, prophecy and, and all these things will fade away. They won't be needed anymore. Let me just read on. Um, let me read this again in, in verse 12. Now we see things imperfectly like puzzling reflections in a mirror, but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely just as God knows me completely. So, if I know everything completely, why would I need someone to prophesy to me? I know that. I know that. If, if I know everything completely, why would I need special knowledge? These are some of the gifts that Paul's been talking about, right? Prophecy, special knowledge, special understanding, all these kinds of things. If I'm complete, why would I need healing? I'm complete. I don't need healing. So it's, it's incorrect teaching that's taught that the gifts are not needed and present today. They're needed today. We don't need them when we get to heaven. And so let's be open 
to what the Lord wants to give us. And let's receive the gifts with fullness. And let's use those gifts. Why would God be saving the gifts for a time when they're not needed? He wouldn't. He wants to give us his gifts now. And we need his gifts now. And so that's why I'm teaching this series. And that's why I want you to continue to come. Because when we get into chapter 14, I really want us to understand, Paul talks about, I'm getting ahead of myself now, but he says that it's better that we would prophesy. He's saying, listen, it's good that we allow God to speak through our lives, to build us up and to build one another up. But it's better that we love, that we're filled with the love of God. Now let's go to 1 Corinthians 13, 13. This is my all-time favorite scripture. These, uh, or it says, three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. Man, we need to really understand this, guys. The gifts are great. Uh, you know, we, what would we do if, if, uh, if we had the faith the, to move mountains but, but didn't have love? It, it wouldn't mean anything. And so we need to understand that God gave us his greatest gift, and it's love. Ephesians 2.8 says, God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. And I talk about this a lot because we need to be reminded that God's grace and love and forgiveness is not performance-based. It's grace-based. We need to fully understand that, and we need to share that with the, the world around us because so many people think that God's love is, is based on their performance, and it's simply based on His grace, so we just receive it. So... Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it, for we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew. He created us new in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago, so that He can pour His presence into us, so that we can be a vessel, a dispenser of His love and grace and mercy, so that God will work through our lives. We are made new. We're made new when we come to Christ. I'd like for everyone to bow their heads and close their eyes. Maybe this morning God is speaking to you. And he's saying, I want to do something new in your life. Maybe you had a relationship with him and, and you walked away. Or maybe you've never had a relationship with him. And God is beckoning you this morning and saying, simply respond. I, I, want, I want to give you a fresh start. If that's you, would you raise up your hand? I want to pray with you. There's no shame in that. God loves you. God, I thank you for your great love. And I pray that you would continue to pour into us. And I pray that as a church, we would continue to pray on a regular basis that you would fill us to overflowing with your great love so that we may experience that intimacy with you and that through that intimacy with you, it impacts our lives, it impacts our marriages, our homes, our families, and it impacts our community. And so, Father, we, we pray that you would continue to pour into our hearts and our lives. This morning, 
Ariana's going to lead us in a song of worship. And, and I just want all of us to take some time and say, God, I just want to lay my heart at your feet. And I want to say, God, is, is there anything in my heart that you want to share with me this morning? Can you, Lord, I know it's your, your great pleasure, and I know you can, but I'm asking you, to fill me with a greater measure of your love. That you would draw me to a more intimate relationship with you, God. So let's let's go before him now and, and let's just ask him those things and, and pray with expectation. And I'll be here if you want someone to pray with you, stand with you in prayer. I'll be here to pray with you. I want us to be intentional about seeking God and allow Him to do something deeper in our hearts and our lives. And I want us to go out and intentionally be mindful of others around us that need to experience the love of God. Will you do that? Listen, God can make a huge difference in somebody's life through vessels like, like us that are just willing. So go out and be a, a vessel that God pours through. Thank you for joining us this morning. You're dismissed. Go out and live it. Make a difference in the world around you.